Welcome to Making Connections, a WMMT series on diversifying our future. Hello, and welcome to Mountain Talk. I'm your host, Rachel Geringer. On today's program, we bring you voices of concerned residents of southeastern Kentucky speaking out against Kentucky Power's proposed double-digit rate increase. In June of this year, Kentucky Power filed a request to the Public Service Commission for a 16.8% increase, which would mean an increase of about 80 cents a day or $24 a month for the average customer. Kentucky Power's stated reason for the increase is to make up for the loss of nearly 2,000 residential customers and 450 industrial customers in southeast Kentucky since 2014. The Public Service Commission held three meetings in order to gather public comments, which will be used in their decision-making process. WMMT attended the November 6th meeting in Hazard, Kentucky. About 40 people signed up to speak to the PSC, and out of those, only one spoke up in support of Kentucky Power's rate increase. Today's edition of Mountain Talk brings you some of the concerns of the southeastern Kentuckians present at the November 6th meeting. If you would like to submit comments to the Public Service Commission about the proposed rate hikes, you can submit them up until December 6th, when the PSC will hold a formal hearing in this case. To submit comments by mail, send them to P.O. Box 615, Frankfort, Kentucky, 40602 or you can head over to their website at psc.ky.gov to submit comments electronically. Now, we have with us uh, here this evening several guests. Uh, a, A prominent state official, Mr. Stephen Pruitt, the Commissioner of Education, who is here to speak uh, as the commissioner. Uh, And we also have Senator Brandon Smith, State Representative Chris Fugit, State Representative Tim Couch, and State Representative Angie Hatton. So we're going to give our elected representatives and our public officials the opportunity to speak first, after which... After this, after which we will call out the uh, citizens who would like to speak in the order in which their name appears on the sign-in sheet. Uh, Commissioner Pruitt, would you like to come forward at this time and uh, address the commission? Good evening. Commissioners, thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to come speak tonight. My name is Stephen Pruitt, 300 Sour Boulevard, Frankfort, Kentucky, 40601. Uh, As you've already said, I am the Commissioner of Education for the Commonwealth of Kentucky. I'm here tonight on behalf of 24 school districts and the 10 state-run area technical centers in the Kentucky Power Service area that would be impacted by the proposed rate increase. If approved as proposed, We calculate the rate would increase cost to schools in excess of $1.8 million annually. Right now, many of our schools are fighting just to keep the lights on and the doors open. 
They have done their share with energy conservation and remain the only entity in Kentucky that are required by statute to develop energy management plans. This proposed rate increase threatens our district's ability to deliver their, on their constitutionally and morally obligation to educate the children of Eastern Kentucky. I'd like to start with a couple of examples. First of all, I'd like to point out Pike County School District. The district has 20 schools and about 8,600 students, 75% of whom qualify for free and reduced price lunch. There are two state area technical centers located in the county. Based on their current usage, Pike County estimates the proposed rate hike will cost the district around $410,000 in an increased utility cost each year. Now on the surface, that may not sound too bad because there is the ability of the district to impose a 3% um, tax themselves on the, on the utility. However, I'd like to point out a little scenario. Currently, Pike County receives $3.7 million in revenue from the 3% utility tax that it levies. This tax includes taxes that are part of the Kentucky Power Bill, also taxes on natural gas, cell phones, and other such. But let's just say for a moment that Kentucky Power represents about 80% of the utility tax. I don't know the exact number, but this is a, an assumption that we've made. At a rate increase of 14%, the district would see only about 12,721 additional dollars from the utility tax, resulting in a net annual increase in cost for the district of more than $397,270. Now to put that in perspective, it's equal to what is spent in the district on instruction for 64 students. It's equal to what is spent on instructional staff to support 640 students. And at an average teacher salary, $397,000 translates into at least seven teaching positions. In recent years, Pike County sustained extreme financial hardships due to the collapse of the coal mining industry. It's lost about 10% of its, of its population. It's been negatively impacted by the, by the state education funding because of those losses. The loss of jobs and population has resulted in a decline in overall property taxes. The district already has a tenuous financial position and its downward adjustment in the unmined mineral assessment calculation which resulted in the loss of $1.5 million. They're not even at this point able to, conduct, to withhold the 2% contingency as required by state law. They are literally going month to month and at times week to week to be able to keep the doors open. In Leslie County, we see a similar issue. The proposed tax rate would, would cost the district an additional $67,000. With the additional utility tax collected, the net cost of the district would still be $64,750. In Fairview Independent, where we see a similar outcome, their net cost would be $23,500. In the words of their superintendent, we simply can't absorb these cost increases, period. The Breathitt County Area Technical Center would see, with this increase, an additional $6,160 a year. The money's going to have to come from somewhere, and at this point, one has to ask where. We continue to see a an increase in, or a decrease in, in our state funding. This year, we've had to prepare for a 17.4% reduction across state government, and in particular, looking at what that would look like in, in the future biennium. We know that there's a K-12 tariff. 
Kentucky Power is proposing to eliminate the pilot K-12 tariff that provides a more favorable rate for schools based on their unique load and usage characteristics. I would argue against this. According to the testimony presented by Ron Wilhite, School Energy Manager Project Director for the Kentucky School Boards Association, this tariff produces a rate return for Kentucky Power more than one and a half times that of its average. Thus, it cannot and should not be considered unfair, unjust, or unreasonable as the company contends. Our districts continue to work hard. They have, they've done their due diligence. They have done everything they can to, to cut costs and to implement, implement cost savings around energy. But the reality is that from an economic perspective, uh, this area of the state continues to really to bleed out when it comes to, to what we're having to pay for education. Earlier I said I was here on behalf of 24 school districts and 10 area centers. But what I'd like to be more clear on is I'm really here on behalf of 60,444 students who attend schools in the Kentucky Power Service area. Yes. If they are ever going to break the cycle of poverty that has dominated this region of the state for so long, there must be adequate resources to ensure they receive an excellent elementary and secondary education. This will allow them to have further training or to attend college and be prepared to land a good paying job, but most importantly, be allow, allow them to pursue the passion of their choice. So I urge you on the behalf of these students and their families and their future to reject the proposed rate increase and to maintain the K-12 school tariff. Thank you so much for your time. Senator Smith, would you like to step forward and address the commission? First, I'd like to welcome the commission to the mountains here in eastern Kentucky, specifically Hazard. We're glad to have you here with us, and we're glad that you're going to give us a few minutes this afternoon to listen to our concerns. Being someone who's grown up here in the mountains, many of us have had family that have worked for the power company. Uh, the power company Christmas dinner used to be a favorite thing in our family. My mother work downtown uh, on Main Street uh, up front. And that's where they would drop me out for school to meet her. So it's played a role in a lot of our lives. And so to find ourselves here today with so much of change in our community, being concerned where it is, uh, it's troublesome for a lot of us. I think a lot of us have got other things to worry about with job losses the way they are, with the unemployment rate being at record levels, uh, with, with our children and schools, there's so much other worries that I reckon most of us would rather be anywhere else than here tonight, but we're here uh, because we have a great concern. Now, one of the things in the Senate that we have to look at are numbers. And for all the people that are fooled with economics, you get in what's called the law of diminishing returns. Now, recently, two years ago, we had a rate increase that a case was made and apparently was, was passed by the um, Public Service Commission to grant them an increase. But in the meantime, what's happened here is that we have not had jobs that have grown with that. Matter of fact, with that increase, and I'm not saying that's what caused it, but we've had more and more jobs lost. We've had Wayne Supply Caterpillar hasn't laid anybody off here in 100 years, and now they've shut down their operations here in Hazard, Kentucky, which leaves you scratching your head uh, that we would not have that facility here. Just recently, two weeks ago, PepsiCo was announced that it's pulling out of Hazard, Kentucky. Uh, there's just not anything left. And I think the concern of us as leaders and as fathers and mothers and, and uh, teachers and workers in this community is that 
if this next increase comes in and we're into what's called the law of diminishing returns, how many more jobs can we lose? And the answer to that is not many because there's nothing left. You're standing in probably the largest employer that we have in this county, right here in this room. Between the school system and the hospital, that's all that's left. The few coal mines that we used to have are struggling and barely keeping themselves open, mostly just to keep the uh, security guard or chain on the gate because they're not moving coal anymore. The trucking companies have all gone. They've shuttered their doors. Uh, it's, it's the worst I've ever seen here in my lifetime. And I will tell you, hopefully you guys will maybe be around tonight uh, and you can see tomorrow for yourself, drive down through Hazard. Take a drive down through what it used to be because it's not that anymore. So we're not here tonight against anybody. This isn't a fight against our friends that, that work over here. We've got, my neighbor lives up the hill from me. He's one of the best guys I know. He works for the power company and he takes a lot of pride in his job. But I've also got people that live down over the hill down here they cannot afford to pay their bill. They're three months behind. They're good people too. So you all are in the middle to find a pathway forward for us. But I will tell you, I know each one of you are smart and you're courageous or you wouldn't be down here. And you want to do the right thing. The law of diminishing returns is showing that the increase in these numbers is causing further and further job loss. What is the sweet spot? When you would go back, if we are able to reduce rates, are we able to create jobs back here? Are we able to see growth back in the mountains? I've seen the graphs that show out migration. People can't stay here anymore. You know, it used to be people would go to Ohio so they could work for Fisher Body and these other, the auto industry there, but they're long gone. The jobs now are farther south for us and there's fewer of them. And I tell you what, I don't want to leave. How about you all? There's an old adage, it's Isaiah, it says, come my brother, let us reason together. Hopefully tonight, you all will truly hear us. Uh, you'll hear some of the frustration and concern, but it's not anger, we're not, we're not mad. We're concerned and there's a difference. And we have a reason to be, because you all will leave here tomorrow and stop a few other places and go back to cities that are having growth right now, but not us. That's not what my week is gonna look like. Is it yours? So we ask that you take that in consideration as you all make your decision. Thank you. State Representative Andy Hammond, Fletcher of High Counties. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And I know you've already heard from me once at the Floyd County meeting this week, so I'll try not to say exactly the same things I said before, but I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for coming down here and listening to our concerns in Eastern Kentucky about this devastating rate increase that, that you're being asked to approve. And while I'm here, I just wanna thank each and every person that cared enough to show up tonight. We, that's what we do in Eastern Kentucky. We stand up for each other. So as elected representative of uh, Letcher County and parts of Pike County, should introduce myself. I'm, you already said it, but I'm Angie Hatton, 20 Ohio Street, Whitesburg, Kentucky. Um, as elected representative of Letcher and parts of Pike County, I do my best to stand up for these people. But I feel like tonight, each and every one of them is here standing up for themselves and standing up for each other and standing up for me and my family and all the family businesses in my community. And it means so much that people took their evening to come down here. So thank you all for listening to us. And please uh, listen with, with open minds and open hearts tonight at what we're going through.
So I think every one of us is here to ask for basic, no frills, safe electric service. We don't need Cadillac electric service. We don't need all the bells and whistles. We don't need the riders. We don't need donations to various causes. We need safe, basic electric service. American Electric Power has a monopoly. So if we're living on a monopoly board, we don't need boardwalk property. We'll settle for Baltic Avenue property. Somebody's got a monopoly sign over here. We need the basic service at a price that we can afford. So I want to remind everybody as they come up and talk that the Public Service Commission is here to listen to us. They're, they're, we're not talking to AEP. We're not talking to people that should be considered our enemies. These are people that are going to decide this decision. I want to ask everybody to please be respectful, not direct hateful comments, but provide information that can help us decide help them decide what's best for us. And members of the Public Service Commission, you're going to be asked to do what's fair, just, and reasonable. And know you know how to do your jobs. And plenty of other people today will get up here and talk to you about details of decisions they've been having to make between medicine or food and their electric bills. These are true stories. I, I know for a fact, I've heard individual stories, eight out of every ten emails that I was getting my first six months in office were about people's electric bills. Of all the things that I thought I was going to Frankfurt to work on, I didn't realize it was going to be electric bills, but they've gotten so out of hand, people cannot pay them. This is something that truly does affect us all. It affects every family, it affects every business, it affects every school system and every government. And Commissioner Pruitt, if you're still here, I, we don't know each other, but I was very impressed that you came down from Frankfurt and gave statistics that were so well thought out and so meaningful to me about exactly what this burden will place on our school system. So thank you for doing that. My two school systems are Letcher County Schools, which will face $152,000 per year extra based on um, the increase that's been requested, and Pike County Schools, which will be over $400,000. And it's beyond ironic to me that this community of Eastern Kentucky that for two centuries has been powering our nation with our coal, we're now struggling to keep our own lives on. <coughs> We're not asking you for a handout. We're asking you to do what's fair and just and reasonable for these hardworking people. I want to take this opportunity to publicly thank Attorney General Andy Bashir for stepping in on our behalf. He's the only one, as our information said earlier, that's guaranteed a right to intervene on behalf of us, so we appreciate that courage and, and, and for his representation. So you've heard a lot of information about the poverty um, that we're experiencing here, the unemployment that we're experiencing here. People will lose basic services if this is allowed to um, be passed, and they'll very likely lose their homes, many of them. 
and they'll be turning to the state for assistance at a time when the state can least afford to help them. And it's not like American Electric Power is facing similar distress. Their stock price has almost tripled since 2009, and it's risen by about 20% in the last year or so alone. But that's not enough. Apparently they need another $63 million. And the people in this room and the people that we represent know that it's time to stand up and push back. Amen. We won't be happy if they get a half or even a fourth of what they're asking for. Amen. They need an outright denial of any rate increase. We don't want a handout, but we've been through enough and we just don't want to be kicked while we're down. So I understand that Kentucky Power is a business. They want to make money. That's what businesses do. They're supposed to try to make money for their shareholders. But thank goodness we have you to stand in the way of that if it's not fair, just, and reasonable. I talked to my local optometrist one day this week. She said, this increase is going to be $3,300 a year extra. <coughs> Either that's money that she won't have profits to reinvest in her community at grocery stores and, and gas stations, or that's money that she has to pass along to her customers in order to even make ends meet at her optometry office. Every single business that I go in, that's what they want to talk about. Their power bills, they can't afford to stay in business. That's not good for economic development. That's not going to advance our region. That's not going to help us get back out of this terrible situation that we found ourselves in with the downturn in the coal industry here. And so at a time when I've been asking for extra hearings, we appreciate the three you gave us, but a lot of people don't have the gas money to get to these hearings. And when we talk about American Electric Power asking us for $388,000 for corporate jet travel, <laughs> And we don't have gas money to get to these hearings. Amen, Andy. So it's folly to expect that the customers of Kentucky Power are asked to make Kentucky Power whole for the decline in the economy. They need a rate increase to make up for the loss of customers and the general decline in electrical use. But there's no logic in that because it just becomes a downward spiral. The more they raise rates, the more customers they will lose and the more increases they're going to come back and ask for. And higher rates are going to make Kentucky less competitive when we're trying to attract businesses here. It's always been one of the things that we could count on, but we've had increase after increase. Since 2005, Kentucky Power has been granted three rate increases of almost 6% a year for residential customers, which is a total of over 51%. They were given permission to shut down their largest power plant, the Big Sandy 2, which meant the loss of 150 jobs at the plant, lost revenue to support schools, local governments, and the loss of over 2 million tons a year of sales of Kentucky coal to that plant and coal-related jobs that went with it. 
To replace it, Kentucky customers were asked to take a 50% interest in an almost identical plant in Moundsville, West Virginia, that had already been paid for by AEP's Ohio utility customers. American Electric Power is one of the largest electric utilities in the United States, serving 5.4 million customers in 11 states. Now, my great-grandmother, I asked her one time if there was any one of the 14 kids that she loved the most. Mm -hmm. Surely, Grandma, you know, there's one that you love more than the others. And she said, yes, absolutely. Whichever one needed me the most was the one that I loved the most. Eastern Kentucky is the needy child right now. We don't want a handout. We don't want you to feel sorry for us. We just don't want you to continue to let them kick us. So thank you for your time. Please hear us. Good evening. Uh, my name is Rose Wolf, and I'm the mayor of the city of Jackson. Uh, you want to talk figures, uh, statistics, and stuff? One of them I will give you is that the city of Jackson is probably the third poorest city in the state of Kentucky. We're being asked to do more with less, and we're trying to find a way to do this. A lot of our citizens are working two jobs, not full-time jobs, two part-time jobs just to pay their bills. And I can tell you from last year's electric bills, so many of our citizens had their power turned off because they could not pay their bills. The light heat programs and the subsidy programs that try to help them, so many of them, what they heard was, we've run out of money. We've run out of money, we can't help you. So who is going to help them this winter when they can't keep their power on to stay warm? We're facing one of the biggest homeless populations the city of Jackson has had in forever. We have so many unemployed, not by choice, but by a lack of jobs. If this power rate increase is given to Kentucky Power at the rate they are asking, I don't know what's going to happen to cities like Jackson and the citizens that live there. Our seniors and our elderly are drawing just over $600 a month. Their electric bills are taking one-third to one-half of their income to keep them paid. I can tell you that last year alone, we had at least 14 fires in Breathitt County that were caused by old heating stoves and stuff because they couldn't afford to turn on their electric furnaces and they had to go back to the old coal stoves and the old coal furnaces and wood furnaces. 
and it wasn't safe in mobile homes and some of the homes they were living in. They lost everything to fires. How do I know this? Because I volunteer my time with the American Red Cross. I go out at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning because somebody's home just burnt because they didn't have the safe, safest type of heat. The city alone, I, I don't just worry about my citizens. They're my main concern. But I will tell you something I'm worried about for the city of Jackson. We are just barely meeting our power bills for our water and sewer plant. With all of our lift stations and our pump stations, the cost of electricity is so high for these water plants and these sewer plants that we're barely making it. What are we going to do if they're given this rate increase? Are we going to shut our water plant down and Breathitt County have 5,000 and better homes without water? Are our sewer plants going to go down, our lift stations, our pump stations? Because that's what we're facing. Kentucky Power can't afford to operate at a loss. We all know that. None of us can afford to operate at a loss. But I'm not so convinced that they're even close to operating at a loss. What I am sure of is John Q. Public that lives at 101 Main Street isn't going to be able to keep their power on because their income is just over 600 a month if they're lucky and their power bill's gonna take half of that. So what did they decide to do without? You tell me, they're already choosing between food and medicine. What do they give up in order to pay that power bill? And since they got the rate increase in 15, as a mayor, I've had to deal with families that cannot pay their power bill. This isn't just during the winter, this is all year long. They have disconnect notices. They're coming to turn their power off because with no income and very little income, they cannot pay this. So what do we do? What's the answer? Everybody's turning to you all to have the answer. But what I want you to take a real good look at is, do they have a loss? Jim Ward said it perfectly. Where are they overpaying? Where are they overspending? What could they cut back? Every city and county in Eastern Kentucky is being asked to do more for less. I think it's time Kentucky Power does more for less. A former president, which some of you aren't old enough to remember, believed in a trickle-down system. Well, this is what's going to trickle down. We have no employment. Kentucky power bills are going to go up. A lot of us have already had to raise our water bills because the power bills went up for our plants and our sewer, and we have to pay it in order to keep the systems running. So what is it that the people give up? What is it that they do without in order to meet 
Kentucky Power's demand for a rate increase. What, what are they giving up? What are they doing for less? I just want them to be on the same playing level as John Q. Public, who is just trying to put food on the table and raise their families and not starve to death in order to keep warm. Amen. Winner's here. You guys are getting ready to make a decision. Please make a fair one. Please make a fair decision for everyone. Everyone. Thank you. You're listening to Mountain Talk on WMMT 88.7 FM from the Apple Shop in Whitesburg, Kentucky. On today's show, we bring you voices of concerned East Kentuckians speaking out against Kentucky Power's proposed double-digit rate increase. WMMT recorded these comments at the November 6th Public Service Commission meeting in Hazard, Kentucky. My name is Patricia Rogers, and I live at Perk um, Creek, Quartzburg, Kentucky, or 1858 in Letcher County. Um, I want to go back to what the gentleman spoke of in his presentation. He, he said that we've got to be fair, just, and get it correct. Has to be fair, just, and reasonable. So I want to give you a couple scenarios. You might tell us it's just an extra $20 a month. Most of you on this panel or middle class or more, fluent enough to where $20 a month may not be that much for you. For some of us in this audience, it may not be that much for us. But I wanted to give you some more things that's going on in these eastern Kentucky counties, communities. First of all, the top five, the top five, this is just five people, of Kentucky Power in the year 2016, after they brought in their salaries, bonuses, and commissions, earned over 24.3 million. Five people brought in over 24.3 million dollars. And if you've heard from other people, some people's incomes are lucky to be $600 a month. Yet you're asking them to pay an extra $20 a month, but you're not asking those top five people, what kind of business decisions can you be making for Kentucky Power to cut your costs down? One person brought in over $11 million alone in 2016. One person. And I want to tell you, it's more than just $20 a month for someone like myself or some of these people's audience. As you heard from Mr. Jim Ward, he's our judge executive. Now he's going to be faced with a decision how to pay the electric bills for our county. Counties don't make profits, so he's going to have to find a way to pay for an extra electric bill cost. That's going to be more on property tax, which he's already had raised because of the decline of jobs, decline of income that's coming in from the state. So now we're going to have, we, just in a couple of weeks, in Electric County alone, we've had a water bill raised, $8, I think. He, he's going to have to raise property tax, which is understandable of what's, what the current situation he has been faced with. Now I'm going to have to pay an extra $20 if this rate increase goes through. So yes, to you, you might tell me it's just an extra $20. But in the past few weeks, I'm looking at now I'm going to be paying an extra for about $300 this year. And on top of that, the schools that my children will be attending 
are also facing with the same scenarios. How are they going to pay for this extra cost? They're going to have to lay teachers off, as you just heard from our commissioner. These schools are going to have to come up with this money from somewhere. And I can guarantee you, these, these five members who's made $24 million, it ain't going to be coming from them. Guess who's going to be coming from? It's going to be coming from people like me and these people who can only make $600 a month. So now my children's schools are going to have to be less, have less qualified teachers, if they have, if, even if they can keep the amount of teachers they have. Our cities are going to be, how are they going to provide water and sewer and basic necessities to us? So it's a, a bigger picture than someone standing up there and telling us, oh, it's just 20, an average of $20 more a month. It's a lot bigger picture than that. As uh, Representative Angie Hatton said, we're getting, we're getting beaten as we're down. We're not asking for a handout, but how much more beaten can one community take? All we're asking is maybe this is not the time for a rate increase when they're making huge profits. They have not came back with anything saying what kind of cuts that they're going to be making, yet we're going to be taking all this cost. So I'm asking you to think about the members that are in your community who may not be as fluent as yourself, but those members in your community who are barely surviving. I have family members who are on a fixed income, and I hear them say, how am I going to pay for a higher water bill? How am I going to pay for the electric bill I already have? How am I going to pay for an increase when I can't pay for the one I already have? So I'm asking that is it fair and just and reasonable for five people to bring in over $24 million in one year and you're asking us, a community who is barely getting by, to pay an extra 15 to 20 percent more on our electric bills? Thank you. For coming. I'm Elizabeth Jones from 252 Fairview Lane in Neon, Kentucky. First, I want to thank our, all of our elected officials for their comments and all the points that they made. Thank you, Angie. Um, they know all the details of what we're up against. Now, I've come here tonight on behalf of all of our elderly citizens. There are so many who have lost their ability to live on their own and have lost their independence because of the high cost of electricity as it is. An 85-year-old lady who has went to my church for 50 years continued to fight a $700 power bill almost every month. She couldn't even hook up her hot water heater. She boiled her water on her stove to take a bath. She just broke her back recently, 85 years old. She recently had to move to another town with family members because she couldn't afford to buy groceries and pay, pay this bill. She was always behind every month. Now, she's no longer able to attend the church that she has been an integral part of for 50 years, all because of the high cost of her electric bill. My 80-year-old neighbor, who has been fighting cancer and lives alone, got her electric cut off one day a couple of months ago. And according to the bill she had, she still had time to pay it. She came home one day and her electricity was off. She had to call and beg and cry 
for someone to give her the money to get her electricity turned back on. And it wasn't very much that she was behind. When I addressed AEP about this situation, they sent me a letter, an email, stating, well, she would have just called us back. A gentleman stopped me in the pharmacy and spoke on how his brother had to move back in with their mother because her bills had reached $1,300 at its highest. I'm here tonight to speak on behalf of those women who, and, and men who are not physically able to sit here and listen to all of these excuses for how this company is taking advantage of the fact that, that an electricity is a necessity. Now, according to the gentleman who gave all the details earlier, the presentation, the principal statute KRS 278 states that rates must be fair, just, and reasonable. How are the high prices in the poorest areas fair? Investors are entitled to an opportunity to earn a return on equity. That's what he said. Rate of return is based on trying to attract investors. Well, who wouldn't want to invest in a company that was allowed to continuously raise the cost to guarantee everyone involved got rich except the customers who are forced to use this specific provider? We have no other alternative. Our electricity only comes through them. They get bonuses while our people lose jobs. Doesn't seem fair to me. They lost customers because of what I am speaking of about tonight. Families have had to consolidate their, their homes. And now because of their initial greed that caused all of this, they want the customers to pick up that loss. Bad decisions and bad business practices are killing our people. Cut your own spending. Cut your own spending. Everybody else has to. All of this technical talk that he sat up here and, 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 and gave us, that, that, is on, that was only provided to us to justify how this electric company has set up their business practices to always make money off the backs of the poor people of southeastern Kentucky. Well, I'm sorry, but this business model is never afforded to the small business owners of southeastern Kentucky. Those who own and operate their own small businesses sure don't get that luxury of having a guarantee of return. There are a lot of small businesses getting ready to go out of business. Will there be another rate hike when they lose those customers? Large customers have lower cost of service, he said. The smaller the customer, the higher the cost. Are you kidding me? That's why our elderly are losing their homes, because they are paying the highest bills. The highest cost is leveled on residential customers, that's what he said. This is where our elderly, our small mom and pop businesses, and our families are hit. Now, our representatives have spoken about job loss. Do you know what that, lead, what that means? Poverty, homelessness, drug addiction, which we are already overrun with and growing because men can't support their families. 
that it, this is creating emotional distress on people. It is affecting our souls. It's not just affecting our homes. You get to go home tonight to a very nice home. Most of us don't. I couldn't afford a babysitter tonight. I had to bring my children with me. And to try to sit here and keep them quiet is a, is a hard thing. I am begging you to please deny this rate increase. These rate increases should have already been denied. This one cannot go through. Or they're going to lose even more customers. And then where's the money going to come from? Thank you. I'm Scott McReynolds and I live in Crypton, Kentucky. I'm the executive director of the Housing Development Alliance, which is a nonprofit that serves four counties uh, around housing issues. And we've repaired about 650 houses in the Kentucky Power area for low and very low income residents. And these are many of these low income uh, and homeowners have really high electric bills. And I'm deeply concerned about the impact that this rate increase is going to have on those homeowners and the other homeowner low income and moderate households. It's important to remember that we're a high need area. And what I mean by that is 42% of the households in the four counties I serve, and eight, um, Kentucky Power Service Area is very similar to those four. All four are in Kentucky Service Power. 42% of those households live on less than $2,100 a month. One in six households, not people, but one in six households live on less than $1,000 a month income. So when you start talking about $20, $30, $40, $50 a month increases, it's significant. We often see bills, three, four, five hundred dollar a month electric bills for some of these families. They can't stand a 15% increase. And as Mayor Wolf pointed out, what lands up happening is they turn their electric heat off and turn to dangerous alternative heat. I'm additionally, I'm deeply concerned about the impact this is going to have on small businesses like the one I run. Senator Smith pointed out the challenging economic times. A lot of businesses are on the brink of survival. I'm particularly concerned about those businesses that are currently getting small general service that are going to be kicked to a new category, general service, and now be facing demand charges. This is something new, and it's really impossible to know just how big impact this is going to have on small businesses. But the demand charges are going to particularly hit churches, uh, volunteer fire departments, community centers, and those sorts of services are going to be faced with significant increase because of that change. As you consider what uh, rate increase to approve, uh, I hope you take these considerations, these facts into consideration. Thank you. Commissioners, thank you for uh, coming to Hazard tonight to hear what we had to say. A lot of concerns that we've had or I've had have already been expressed. Um, my name is Seth Long, the Executive Director of Homes, Inc., 65 Bentley Avenue, Whitesburg, Kentucky. We're a small nonprofit organization dealing with housing issues. Um, we work hard helping people. We want to come tonight to represent many of the people that we represent. 
uh, low and very low income and moderate income homeowners. Um, It's, it's, it's difficult to articulate what all of our concerns are. Some of my concerns start at homes, our organization providing necessary and needed services in our service area. We have 10 commercial meters, and what a previous speaker mentioned about the demand charges have me very concerned. I think the PSC needs to understand the implications of what these charges can do to a small business. There are many small business owners represented here tonight. I have a good friend who is here tonight, owns a small grocery store in a small town. She went out of her way and impressed the socks off me by doing amazing energy efficiency renovations to her grocery store. LED lighting, new cases, recapturing heat that was being wasted while she was was um, throwing it out the window, put a lot of money into it. Yet with these new increases that are proposed, $8,000 increase over next year is what is calculated to be her increase. This is difficult on small struggling businesses in our area. I also want to mention about the homeowners. Many of the people that we work for, that we help, we focus on energy efficiencies, cutting edge technology, bringing it to people, helping them to save energy. Many of these people in our region, there's a disproportionate amount of people that own their own homes that are low income in our neck of the woods. But yet they pay a disproportionately higher amount than many of the rest of us do because of the conditions of these homes. And as we're out here working to fix up the whole old homes, making them energy efficient. As we're out here building new houses, making them very excessively energy efficient, uh, I hear tonight a disconnect. Usage is down, profits are down, so rates need to go up. Where's the incentive for us to save? Where's the incentive for us to go out and invest back into our businesses, into our houses, we do that, usage goes down, but our rates go up. What's going on? That's what I don't understand. That proposal does not seem to me to be fair, just, or reasonable. That's not reasonable at all. I think these things, as you have heard tonight, need to be taken into consideration, and we appreciate you hearing us. Thank you. Well, a couple of things I'd like to add to it. I'm Tim Kelly. I'm a concerned retired fellow. You're on Social Security. You all saying that they want a $20 increase. That's about what our check's going to be, 2%. They want 15%. And by the time everybody gets through going in on the rate increases, we're looking about $100 extra on a year, not including the Obamacare raise that's astronomical. I don't see how we can afford anything more on power. Matter of fact, I'm like a couple of others that was up here. We've been so good in the past about paying our bills, they ought to look at a rate decrease till we all get on our feet that's real right. good. So that's what I'm asking the commission to go back to them. Tell them that the 
people's hurting in these areas. They need a rate decrease, not an increase. Amen. Let's use a little bit of their. Let's, let's use a little bit of their eleven million dollars that they draw and put it back in to the people that give it to them in the first place. Also, they want a fifteen percent increase. We only get a 2%, where does it stop? Because the time you had to rest on, we can't even afford to buy our insulin, medicine. And that's mostly what I have to say. Everybody else has put some of the figures out there, and this is something that I wanted to mention. Commissioner Smith, uh, Commissioner Cicero, Commissioner Matthew, thank you for coming to Hazard to listen to us about our concerns. My name is Douglas Bryan. I live at 47 Rainbow Lane, busy Kentucky, here in Perry County. And no, I haven't found the pot of gold, or I would be here tonight. But um, seriously, um, I, let me say first that the people who this rate increase is going to affect the most, uh, affects all of us, but the ones that will hurt the most are probably not even here tonight. That's right. And that's the elderly on fixed incomes. And these people choose between food, medicine, or power right now. And I know you've heard this over and over, and you've heard realistic stories. It's not, it's not made up. It's true. And they choose between heat and electricity, food, and medicine. So what's, what's the choice? That's a tough choice. I'm also a pastor of Solid Rock Fellowship here in Hazard. And just yesterday, we had, we had a family of six drive up to our building. I was preaching, and they knocked on the back door. They came in. Well, they came in the door. And then they left. My wife and my son went out to see what was going on. And uh, after the service, we found out that they, they had, had, he had lost his job, and they, he was begging for food for his four children. So we went and got him food, and we fed him. And we told him to come back, and we would feed him again. There's people hurting. It, it's real stories. It's not, it's, this is not made up. This is, not, this is real, real life. And Kentucky Power says the drop in customers, residential 2,450, commercial, that's the reason for this increase, right? Is that correct? I guess it is. I'm going to answer my own question. Um, but it's interesting. I did a little research while I was sitting and waiting um, earlier today at lunch. And um, it, it says that another investor-owned electric company utility, which there's four investor-owned utility companies named Duke Energy, and Kentucky Power is pretty, pretty similar in customer numbers, and they're very similar. In 2013, 2016, this is on your own website, by the way. That's where I got it from. Uh, you all might want to take a look at it before you make this decision. It's interesting, Duke, uh, their, their electric bills in 2013 was $41 less than Kentucky Power. 2014, it was $51 less than Kentucky Power. 2015, it was $43 less, and in 2016, it was $67. The average electric power bill, residential that is, was $67 less. At the same time, Duke's population, number of customers, was 19,000 more than Kentucky Power. So, in 16,000 in 2014, 15,000 more in 2015, 14,000 more in 2016. So, you know, I don't, I don't understand the logic. Maybe I'm reading the numbers wrong. I used to be a math teacher, but it looks to me like that Duke, D 
Duke Energy has got less customers, but yet their, their average uh, bill for their customers is $67 less. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what the deal is. You know, um, you know. I, I, I'm passionate about this because uh, I am not elected official. I am going to run for magistrate. I wish I would have stepped up as elected official because I could be home in bed and, and I could be uh, getting ready for work in the morning. But anyway, uh, so why do they need the increase? Why do they need the increase? They've already mentioned 11 million dollars. You know, I know CEOs make a lot of money. A lot of CEOs make a lot of money. And I'm not against these guys that are local, I'm not. They work their tails off to keep our power running. And I appreciate that. They do. They get out and work their tails off. But the workers do. The workers do. Yeah. And that's what's wrong with this whole country. Since 1970, there's been a 257% increase in what the CEOs make and what the common workers make. Amen. That's the problem. There's only one company in America, the SAS, that actually their, their uh, CEOs make about 60% less. You know what? There's people dying to get jobs there because they treat their employees right. They have, they have nurse care, nursing care for their children. They don't have to bring their kids with them. They have those programs. They treat their customers right. It goes back, it goes back to, you know, we're not, we're not all dumb here. It goes back to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. The love of money is the root of all evil. This is all about greed. Yes. And this is all about greed. That's what it's about. Plain and simple. And you can say you care about people, but until you do something about it, I don't know if you care or not. Your actions do speak louder than words. So I'm asking you, they have, I told you a minute ago, well, I told the guy that was giving us the information, um, AEP's uh, stock market went up from, I got you, went up from, I'm almost done. I am a preacher, though. I'm almost done. When I say I'm almost done, that, that means another hour. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, seriously, I respect you. But anyway, um, their average increase went from $29.24 to today at 4.08 p.m. I mean, you can check this on the internet, $73.73. That's a 252% stock increase. I don't think they need more money. Amen. Do you? As a teacher, I didn't get a raise the last six years I taught. The last six years, I didn't get a raise. I made it with all the increases. We are, we the people, it's your job, it's your job to protect us. This is a monopoly. I don't care what you say, it's a monopoly. The only choice we got power is Kentucky power. That's right. I, I can go to Lowe's and buy food. I mean, not Lowe's. Well, Lowe's is a store in the South. My brother works for MDI, so it is a food store, in case y'all didn't know. But anyway, I can go to Food City, I can go to Walmart, I can go to my local grocery, and if their prices are too high, you know what I can do? I can go to the other one. And I have a choice. I have a choice. I don't have a choice on power. These elderly people don't have a choice on power. Amen. They either snuggle up, I mean, I mean now some people can't even realize that. That's why I'm running for magistrate, because I know I can't do anything about Washington. I really can't, other than vote. I can't do much about Kentucky government, but I can do something locally, and that's why I'm running for magistrate. But anyway, beyond that, if one is too high, we can choose the other store, like I said. My question is, when's it enough? I, I did research. This commission, this commission is supposed to be who protects us from a monopoly and from people who are just greedy. And it is just greed. That's all it is, plain and simple. Thank you very much.
That concludes this evening's edition of Mountain Talk. If you would like to comment on Kentucky Power's proposed rate increase, you can submit comments to the Public Service Commission up until December 6, 2017. Send them a letter at P.O. Box 615, Frankfort, Kentucky, 40602, or comment on their website at psc.ky.gov. And if you'd like to listen to this edition of Mountain Talk again, or to hear past episodes, visit our website at wmmt.org or download Mountain Talk as a podcast on SoundCloud or Stitcher. I'm Rachel Geringer, and from all of us at WMMT, thank you for listening to Real People Radio from the heart of the hills in Whitesburg, Kentucky. Making Connections is brought to you by WMMT Mountain Community Radio. Find out more at makingconnectionsnews.org. Thank you.